Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of An Apotheosis of a Bombast, episode number seven. And as usual, I'm Scott, and with me is Elton. Hi, guys. Welcome to our crib. <laughs> We've pimped our crib, and we hope you like it. Yeah, we've got a house on hydraulics, bouncing up and down, slowly down the road. <laughs> I guess you do have those kind of shows. But yes, we're here with episode number seven. It's been a, a great start to the year. We hope you guys are enjoying the episodes. We recently upgraded the stats on the site, or the overall setup of the site, which lets us see who's listening, where you're listening from. We're predominantly getting the east coast of the United States and the western half of I'll call it Eurasia, for lack of a good sense of geography. I'm pretty sure it's all Europe, but I don't want to slight somebody if it's not. But I think uh, it seems to be growing. It looks like we're averaging about 20 to 25 listeners, and we appreciate it. Feel free to send us emails, feedback on the website, and even if it's just the quick little Twitters on Twitter, that's great. We like that, too. Yeah, that's cool. So we have a couple things we'll get started with. We're going to go through our regular kind of format today. You might remember, I guess it was two episodes ago, we did our, our theme show where we talked about rebooting various movie franchises. Um, <laughs> and, you know, since then there's been a lot of talk about the Superman movie, the Star Trek movie, um, The Last Starfighter, and a number of other things. And coincidentally, some of those sequels that we talked about have been actually on TV so in early February, Aliens vs. Predator was on. I was all excited to kind of get introduced to that series, because I know Elton had mentioned it kind of deviates from some of the the rules, but that certain episodes were good, and, and I definitely am going to look for the graphic novels too. But it was Alien vs. Predator's Requiem, which I don't think is the first one. I think it's later in the series. Yeah, that's the, that's the latest one that they've made, and it's a follow-up to the Aliens vs. Predator, where they're in the, under the ice in a... A big pyramid, basically. Okay, I think I remember the teasers for that. Well, yeah. so I gave that... I let that skip by, because I, I don't, don't have all the background knowledge for it, but was it on where you live? Did you get to see it? Yeah, I got to see it this weekend, actually. It was on uh, Sky... Uh, Sky Premier, I think it was. Um, yeah, I wanted to say a couple of things about this. Uh, I was looking forward to it, and it was quite dark. Uh, it was a lot better than... The first Aliens versus Predator, I must admit that. Um, there were a couple of rules it did skip out, though, which bugged me a little bit. Uh, the the gestation period was short again. Well, it, it was shown to be short, which bugs me a hell of a lot. They uh, Have you he- heard much about this film? Because they, they got a, uh, a crossbreed between the Alien and the Predator. If I remember correctly, it's there's a Predator ship... I think that has aliens on it, crashes on Earth, and I remember the t- teaser being the humans were caught in the middle. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, this uh, Predator ship crashes on Earth. A, a couple of people go up there to see it, and they get infested. In- infested? Is that the right word? Infected, maybe? Infected, even, or <laughs> impregnated. or. But, but, yeah, the gestation um, rule is slightly bent. It's, it's pretty pretty quick in this movie now. It seems like they don't want to spend the whole time sitting around waiting for these aliens to burst out of people. They just want it there and then snappy. And you've got this alien versus... Well, alien slash predator 
which people are calling the uh, Predalien, <laughs> which I think is the lamest name given to a, a scary monster ever. Well, when you say the gestation period seems shorter, and they're just trying to get the alien out now, in terms of the story, do you think that's because, like, the first Aliens was a horror movie, and even the first Predator was still a suspense kind of stalker, kind of hunter horror kind of movie. Do you think that now the franchise is more battle and action? So the need to have this, like, oh, is he sick? Is he not sick? What's going to happen to him? That that isn't there anymore? Yeah, it's it's not there anymore. It's totally disappeared. People come into the franchise new. I'd imagine that they'd either have heard about either Aliens or Predator or Aliens versus Predator, so they're going to have a, a small basis if not all the bases of what this film is about. They've obviously cut the gestation period down just to get straight into the movie, as it were, because the first Alien, it, it was it was about, around about halfway through the movie before you saw anything that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's where the suspense was slowly, slowly building up, which was a great thing. With this one, obviously, they've cut the gestation period down. They They have followed a rule, partially, which was made out in Alien 3, now, Alien 3, the dog was infected, mm-hmm. uh, and the alien that burst out of a dog took on the form of a canine. Right, And I so it that. ran it ran on all fours, it was a lot faster, it ran all over the walls, and it was super, super quick compared to the other lumbering bipeds. Mm-hmm. Now, they followed that with the alien-predator crossover. Obviously, a predator was in, infected or impregnated, the alien burst out and it took on the form of both alien and predator. Okay. But there was a a part where the predator um, lays some eggs into one of the... Uh, a pregnant lady, which was a bit freaky. I must admit, on first watch, I was like, no, no, not, not, the, um, not the pregnant lady. That's mm-hmm. not nice. <laughs> and the aliens that burst out there, they... within a matter of ten minutes, they were full size running around now if they're taken on the form of a pregnant lady obviously they'd have back pains yeah. they'd be moaning, they'd have <laughs> cravings and they didn't show any of that it, it was bordering on on the rules but right. it, it was passable but it was a hell of a lot better than the first one and they've left it totally open so they can go back to it and they can cash in again and again Listening to you describe the changes in the franchise just over time, it just seems to fit with what you see with so many things, how they're just, they call it making it uh, ready for the MTV generation, like all action and not so much plot development, it just get to what's going to happen, get to what's going to happen. And as much as I hate that, I have to say with my son, I try to show him the old movies, you know, the, uh, the old Pink Panther movies or some of the Disney things, like Flubber, which have been remade. Yeah. He has a hard time with that. Whereas yeah. these things that start, like a James Bond movie, where 20-minute <laughs> opening montage of action, and then one after another after another, that that's what appeals. Yeah, that sort of thing sucks you right in, straight into the action, and then they can have a 20-minute uh, um, lull mm-hmm. in the action, really, can't they? Yeah, like Once they've got Wars. you in there... <laughs> Wait, hang on. <laughs> well, I mean, like, but that's... All the Star Wars movies start with that great battle... Every movie starts with a battle scene. And then, 20 minutes in, then you get, like, Amidala and, and 
Anakin are talking, or you know, nothing really happens character-wise until no. after that first battle, and then it's okay. Well, now here's 15 minutes of story. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right there. Um, although the the Hoth battle took a little while to get around to, though, didn't it? Yeah, that I think was, that was because it it focused so much on Luke at the start of that story. Yeah. It was a continuation of you know, some years later, and they had to set the scene straight away, didn't they? Yeah. That's true. Now that you mention that, I'm trying to think, what is the opening shot of Empire Strikes Back? It's the uh, starship going over Hoth, dropping uh, probes. Right. That's and right. they land, and then uh, a couple of people see him. Oh, I can't remember who sees him now. It has to be Luke, because then Luke is missing that big snow monster kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Knocks him yeah. out. That's right. Now I'm thinking maybe all the Star Wars movies don't start with a big action scene. The first one did. Yeah. Well, depends on where you're talking from, but the first one made right. starts with a big action scene. Second one, on the hearth. Third one. Third one starts with Jabba's palace, right? Yeah. So maybe does it always start with a, a ship? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Because Star Wars starts with a Star Destroyer chasing Leia's ship. Yeah, they, they sort of um, coined in on that, though, didn't they? A lot of films after Star Wars uh, started with the big ship going over or underneath. Oh, maybe it's just one ship, not a battle. Yeah, it's amazing when you're talking about a movie like this, and then all of a sudden your mind goes blank and you can't exactly remember what went on, even though you know you've seen it a thousand times. So I'm trying to think of what happened at the start of uh, Jedi now. Because I, I know they start off in Jabba's palace. Yeah, well, part of it is there's so many stories. Like, I can picture Anakin and Obi-Wan with their little starfighters when they go and they fight General Grievous. That's got to be the last of the prequel. Yep. Oh, oh, I've remembered. Um, Isn't it... uh... It's the droids being handed in, isn't it? No, it's the Emperor arriving at the Death Star. And then it goes down to Jabba's palace. Yeah, that would make sense. So you get your money money shot with all the stormtroopers on their reflective black floor. Uh, Darth Vader meets the Emperor, mm-hmm. says everything's going lovely, here, have a Starbucks, and then it goes down to uh, Jabba's palace. Yep, you describe that like a Mad Magazine version of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. I have got a, uh, a couple of stories if you'd like to hear these. Sure. Um, are you a, a fan of Simon Cowell? Uh, yeah, actually I am. Yeah? Yeah. Have you heard him in the news recently? I think it was uh, yesterday. I heard this on the radio yesterday. No, I haven't heard over anything. Over here. He's, um, he went to see our Prime Minister, uh, uh, Gordon Brown, and have you have, you've got, uh, America's got talent, we've got Britain's got talent. Right. And I think he took all the judges down there for a slap-up meal and a couple of fags and a couple of beers in number 10 Downing Street. And during this uh, meal that they had there, uh, Simon Cowles came out and said that he wants to be cryogenically frozen when he dies. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, it's obviously, it's just raising the dead. You know, he's going to... I don't know how much it costs. It must cost millions. But it also is one of the greatest jobs ever. Obviously, you get to meet famous people. Mm-hmm. You get to take their money... And you get to see them die, and you get to put them on ice. Well, I think, don't they do it right after you die? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, straight away. I, I imagine that they, you're, um, would be clinically brain dead or such likes, and then they put you on ice straight away. But 
obviously he wants to be frozen. You know, it, it could be another bloody forty years until he dies. Yeah. You know, I think he's uh, forty-nine now. So yeah, you know, we've got a good couple of years with him. But would you want to be frozen and then reanimated as a ninety-year-old? No, I w- I'd only want to be reanimated if it was going to be with some quality of life. Mm. And I, yeah, I'm not really sure what they do because I. There was a famous baseball player who died when there was some controversy in the United States because whatever company was hired to freeze the guy, either they lost him or they refused to relinquish the remains to the family. I think I've heard about this, yeah. They cut his head off. Yeah, and I think part of the battle was the celebrity had wanted himself frozen, but then the family was saying, no, 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 like he was not in the right mind when he said that, or, you know, that was old, he changed his wishes. Yeah. And the fact that they were going to have to decapitate him to do it kind of got people upset too yeah but i guess the premise is if you die from a disease that there's a cure for in the future you know they freeze your cells and and maybe they can uh still have time to to cure you but i don't know it's not like oh you've got aids we'll freeze you now and you know your your body will be at its peak when we try to heal you it's yeah you have aids well you're going to deteriorate over the next 10 years and when you finally succumb to the illness or complications from it you know then that physically weakened state is how you'll be frozen yeah and then you come back in that state that uh, cure you but then you've got to obviously I, I, you know, we don't know what you've got to do in the future but obviously train to get back into peak fitness I was thinking about it I, I like the idea of it from maybe the age of 40 but anything over that then I don't think it's worth it I don't want to be walking around in a Zimmer frame be frozen in 200 years' time, obviously culture's going to change as well, isn't it? Yeah. So it's going to be a whole new culture, a whole new everything. It might not even, you know, nothing might even be there to actually reanimate you, but you don't know that. But. You go from a cranky old man in the 21st century to a cranky old man in the 24th century. Yeah. Or you, I don't want to use your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> or you might up, end up um, in Futurama, like the Futurama, the heads in the jars. Yeah. You might end up like that and going, hang on. I'm in a jar. Bollocks. <laughs> yeah. I have an itch. Somebody scratched my nose. Yeah. Because, yeah, you'd still be able to feel most of your body because amputees say they, they can feel, like, their legs or their arms or their fingers or their hands. Mm-hmm. That, that'd be so <laughs> weird. That would be. I need to pee. I need to pee. No, you don't. I really do, I'm sure. Look, at, I feel like I'm full of water. <laughs> but now, yeah, I'm really surprised. Well, I'm not completely surprised. I should phrase that better, but... This is a business that's just made for scams. People are taking money now on the promise that 200, 300 years from now, this business will still exist and and be taking care of your your needs then. So you're, you're paying now yeah. for a service that you're never going to get. And then if, if 300 years from now they default, who's going to contest it? Who's going to... Well, who do all the bodies get passed on to? Right. Is your great-great-great-granddaughter going to say, I really want to take care of my 90-year-old frozen great-great-great-grandfather, so <laughs> thaw him. That $300 he gave you back in 2009, that's a lot of money. I've got a chest freezer in the shed. I'll just stick him in there for a little while. That, to me, is basically free money. If you're going to invest the money in the advertising and equipment, which you don't even have to prove it works. No. You know, if, does it freeze things? Yes. Well, is it cure him? Oh, I didn't say it would cure him yet. I said one day, one day I'll be able to cure him. That to me has scam written all over it, and it's probably not popular enough 
that anyone's going to do anything about it. But one day, someone famous and, and highly revered will decide to do it, and there'll be an outcry. But well, for now... Would you want to bring Simon Cow back into 100 years' time? Surely they would have learnt their lesson and gone, oh dear, he ruined Christmas for <laughs> this X amount of years in England with all these crap songs that he put out. Do we really want to revive him? Um, no. No, just just leave him there. He, he'll never know. Be all right. It really is the... A giant ego thing, isn't it? It is. I'm going to freeze myself because I'll be respected and appreciated and wanted down the road. Yeah, think about the uh, amount of people that have already died that could have been frozen and you could have in 200 years' time. Winston Churchill, Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein. And I would think great inventors who didn't have the resources that we have today. Yeah. Who might sit there and, and take ideas and take them a step further. I would think it's much more practical to have a DNA sample and like a brain pattern recording. Somehow make a, an impression or recording. Or if I was going to invest money, it would be in that so that your personality can be preserved and in your body can be essentially replicated. So we're talking more cloning than cryogenics. Yeah, I, when you freeze a, a piece of chicken, it lasts about three, four weeks, and it comes out, like, all frosted and unedible, and, you know. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's the cryogenics that you see in science fiction, but like you said, they're not doing that with 90-year-old sickly people. No. No, they're not. But who would want to reanimate a 90-year-old person? You'd have to look after them straight away. And yeah. there'd be... Uh, the culture totally changed. They'd have no money, unless they stick it in the banks, and, you know, even then, there's no guarantee that their money will survive up until that point. It'd be like in Futurama. Your dollar thirty-five that you left is now worth millions. Mm. It could be, it could be like that, or it could go totally the other way, and you could owe people oh, yeah. when you wake up. Especially if they consciously choose. I don't want to wait till I'm going to wither and die. I'm going to end my life now so that there's at least the potential for some quality later. A, a choice. Monday, you're walking down the road. Tuesday, okay, right. I think it's time to be frozen. It's time, right? You know, the, my disease is progressing. I don't want to wait till it ravages my body. Yeah, I'm gonna freeze now so that there's still a chance to save myself. You'd have to have that person go through. A whole, okay, did you uh, pay this bill? Did you turn that off? Did you <laughs> left? Have you designated left the this? You know, all those things. <laughs> Seriously, because it, it's idealistic in the science fiction that you're going to come back 400 years later and oh, you know, my I forgot I had that stock in that company and wow it's now it's worth billions or you know I had these coins in my pocket and they're now antiques but yeah. there's also I owed seven dollars on my phone bill and at ten percent late fees per month I owe now seventy million dollars for <laughs> a phone company could possibly be but I'd imagine the first person to be reanimated from that sort of state would wouldn't want for anything and it would be like a, a scientific miracle I, I, mm-hmm. I don't imagine all of a sudden they'll they'll reanimate one and then the next week they'll reanimate another one and there'll be lots and lots of tests made on the first person. And I I just can't see how they would. You know, how do they sell it? You know, do they take you into a cold room, put a bit of um, uh, the, the what's the dry dry ice, put a bit of dry ice down and go, ooh, look, look, it's so cold in there. Oh, you'll be sleeping in there. They go, oh, yes, very nice, spacious. That's all right, not bad. <laughs> and you'll, you'll be sleeping on the top bunk here, and below you'll be Mrs. Dawson. You know, She died of yeah. a whatever. 
a couple of years ago. And then you get racists who are like, I don't want to be frozen anywhere near him. Yeah. You put him on the other side of the tank. Like, what? Imagine going in, because you're not going to see this beautiful hotel room. You're going to see a meat locker. Yeah, it'd, it'd be a, a pure morgue, really. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Did you ever hear in the news that they've done this with bugs? I, that came out really weird. But I remember reading that they had done it. They had frozen or put to sleep uh, I don't know if it was it's probably flies, those stupid fruit flies they do everything with. Right. But it was either mosquitoes or some some sort of insect that they hit with basically liquid nitrogen or, or super cool air. Yeah. And put it in a state of suspended animation. I think um, aren't scorpions able to survive that sort of condition? They found frozen scorpions. And once they've warmed up ever so slightly, then they've not come back from the dead, but you know they, they've just died and carried on as if nothing had happened. I'm pretty sure scorpions can go through that. does produce references to flies and some sort of uh, some sort of fish embryos. It's not them immortal jellyfish again, is it? No, no, it's something <laughs> else. I'll read you a quick paragraph or two just about this here. One of the main suggested uses for suspended animation relates to travel to the stars. It would take thousands of years for a spaceship to get to the nearest stars, so you take the crew, put them in suspended animation, and start them up again when they arrive. For some creatures, such as goldfish, we can freeze them solid, wait some significant period of time, thaw them out again, and observe them to apparently suffer no ill effects. Now, how would you know? That goldfish could be, like, <laughs> freaking out. All right. As you know... The human body is mostly water. When water freezes, it becomes ice. Ice occupies more volume than the original water. This causes frozen cells to rupture. Yeah. The critters that can survive freezing apparently have some kind of cellular antifreeze and or more flexible cell walls than humans. So I guess there is a way to do it. That's probably why they only save the head. Yeah. Because the body just can't get through it. Is there a room somewhere? I, I'm, I'm going to say America, sod it. In America, somewhere, and there's shelves and shelves of people's heads in jars just waiting to be reanimated. And they show you around the place, and you see like a slightly thawed guy, and go, Yeah, sorry, we left him near the window for 20 minutes, sorry. Obviously, he's got no chance of being reanimated again. Here we go. I'll read you this from CBS News. Ted Williams is the famous baseball player. Ted Williams was decapitated by surgeons at the cryogenics company where his body is in suspended animation, and several samples of his DNA are missing. After Williams had died in 2002, his body was taken by private jet to the company in Scottsdale, Arizona, where Williams' body was separated from his head in a procedure called neuroseparation. The operation was completed, and Williams' head and body were preserved separately. The head is stored in a steel can filled with liquid nitrogen. It has been shaved drilled with holes, and accidentally cracked ten times. Oh, his, his head? Yes, well, because it f- froze into a solid mass, I guess. I'll see, yeah, sorry. Williams's body stands upright in a nine-foot-tall cylindrical steel tank, also filled with liquid nitrogen. The procedure, approved by his son and his daughter, carries a $136,000 bill, and the company, which is called Alcor, claims it is still owed $111,000. I think that's quite cheap, to be honest. Well, 
your head's getting cracked, though. They did it wrong. Yeah. The oldest daughter fought the process, saying that the dad had wanted to be cremated and have his ashes scattered instead. The company's name is Alcor. A-L-C-O-R. You know what's sad? When you look this up, there's people have MySpace pages for Ted Williams' frozen head. (laughs) That's just sad. I bet someone's done the Twitter for it as well. Probably. Oh, here. All right. Remember I said there should be some sort of regulation? Yeah. On the petition site, um, there's a petition to regulate the practice of cryogenics and to free Ted Williams' head. Free his head. I don't know. Free Ted's head. That's right. In 2004, the Arizona State Representative and local authorities drafted a bill in an attempt to force cryonics facilities operating in Arizona to be regulated. They're not even regulated. They just operate as their own business. They don't count as a funeral parlor or an embalmer. Shortly before the bill came to a vote, the person who proposed it killed it. Right. Because he was receiving death threats. They had a ruthless campaign, the representative said. I'm not a glutton for punishment. One phone call was so serious, I felt so personally threatened that I had to call the state police. Crying out loud. (laughs) Disciples of Cryonics reports the Arizona representative do not suffer critics well. Disciples of Cryonics. So... Are we talking a cult for cryonics? Uh, the next paragraph says, How can a cult following like Alcor become so powerful they can successfully threaten lawmakers into submission? That's not the way America is supposed to work. And then the petition is they want the Attorney General to look into the practice and all that stuff. Now, this might only be half the story. These might be the nut jobs yeah. who we're just getting a hold of. It's a huge, huge business, though, isn't it? Freezing dead guys and gals. Let's see if Alcor Cryogenics has a website. Cryonics, I'm sorry. Cryogenics is probably something else. www.alcor.org. The world's leading cryonics organization since 1972. (laughs) Have they got a price guide? You know, it's almost like you can't take it at face value because think of what Lost does and all those other shows. Yeah. Yeah, they make those fake companies and all. (laughs) That's what it looks like. If they get a whole website... Free information, membership info, cryonic myths, notable quotes. It'd be like the Reader's Digest. You know, you you send them £20 here, there, and everywhere, and they just cream the money off the top. you got to go to this website. Frequently asked questions for scientists, job opportunities. Should we apply for jobs? Because if they put it down there, then well, they, they can't turn us down. The Chief Executive Officer of Alcor Life Extension Foundation has a salary of $125,000 a year, plus the benefits outlined below. Do you think one of the benefits is going to be you get frozen for free? <laughs> Perk of the job. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Uh, it's a non-profit, tax-exempt organization. Can you believe that? This is such a scam. Shit, we're digging. Digging into big stuff nowadays. I know. they got a volunteer project list. To be CEO of this company, you have to successfully manage smaller, medium-sized companies in the past that offer scientific or medical pod services. You have to have a good working knowledge of cryonics and the scientific evidence in support of cryonics. This includes some knowledge of the portable ice bath. You have to be able to work well and manage others under ordinary circumstances and under pressure. Alcor performs cryopreservations about two to eight times per year. These can involve rapid decisions with health, emotional, financial, organizational, and legal ramifications, especially when the patient and family have not made prior arrangements for the patient to be cryopreserved. What have we stumbled on here? 
You get health benefits, sick leave, vacation time, all the costs of relocation. Oh, they've got pictures of a, a rabbit's kidney suspended in transparent solution. Oh dear. Cryonics magazine, you can subscribe to that for free for one year. <laughs> Freezing for everyone. What happens if uh, our, our listeners start dropping off one by one and we find out that they're actually frozen <laughs> in lockers somewhere? This is like something out of the movies, isn't it? Like that we do this podcast and then if we've stumbled on something too close and people start getting taken out. They've got a video gallery and a, a picture gallery. It could all go very dark. But here's how, here's how they're trying to like skirt the criticism. If you look at the notable quotes, they have three good quotes about cryonics. They have three bad quotes about cryonics. And they have three ugly quotes about cryonics. Okay, their chairman or executive director is Jennifer Chapman. Oh my god. This is this is really disturbing. I'm looking at the quotes. And they're doing just what they're going to have to do if they're going to have any kind of credibility. They're taking the criticism that comes at them and they're trying to refute it. So in the ugly quote section, they have a quote from Dr. Michael Shermer, historian and founder of The Skeptic magazine. And he says, When defrosted, all the intercellular goo oozes out, turning your strawberries into runny mush. This is your brain on cryonics. Mm. So anyway, they, they're trying to look real up on top and on board, and they say, hey, this is the article where he criticized us. Oh, and by the way, here's a link to our critique of his article. And then they talk about certain sound bites they take strong exception to, and they try to refute, this is your brain on cryonics for real. A transmission electron micrograph of tissue rewormed. Rewormed? Uh, it was frozen to negative 130 degrees Celsius. How much? Sorry? Negative 130 oh. degrees Celsius. What two seventy three is absolute zero? Yeah. So it's about halfway there. This would be something you could go after the way they do all those lost alternate reality games. Yeah. Maybe this is uh, set out for a, a program uh, next year, taken over Lost, and they've just set this up so it's, it's got a, you know, a foothold there, so it's already there, ready to go. Well, the sad thing is, I, like it's real. That's, but now. Here's a side thing. Let's say this company exists, yep. and we're both pretty skeptical of it, and it's scary how many people believe things that they really should know better. But let's say your sister or your aunt or your mother or someone is just convinced they want to do this. Like I, I know it represents hope for some people, but this, this is such a scam. I'm going to get sued, aren't I? <laughs> he went on the internet and said we were a scam. <laughs> Take his little car and go around his house and stamp on his laptop. <laughs> That's right. And take a pair of scissors to his cables. He says it, it was founded more than 30 years ago and has 67 cryo patients. Sweet. Sir Arthur C. Clarke in a letter to Alcor, wrote, Although no one can quantify the probability of cryonics working, I estimate it's at least 90%, and certainly nobody can say it's zero. Really? So that's their, that's their good quote. Not <laughs> yeah. 
scraping the barrel with that one. Wow, 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 wow. This, this website, this is the best web find we could have possibly <laughs> had here. I'm reading the Nine Cryonics Myths, and no offense intended to anybody who reads it and and buys into it all, but I hope nobody does. I hope that our listeners and anyone you care about is smart enough to see through some of the stuff. And it's not that I don't want it to work, or that I don't believe that there's some minor or fractional part of truth yeah. in the science, but if you're savvy at all on marketing and any of that stuff, this whole website is just... It's all fluff and packaging selling hope. That's yeah. really all it is. It, I'm not a religious guy, but it begs the question, where does the religious aspect go with this? With the people actually buying into it? Oh. You know, Would they be would they be atheists, the ones that actually go for this? Or would they be uh, the uh, Christians or the ones that truly, truly believe in, in the religion and the afterlife? And what would happen to them if they did get reanimated. Well, I'm telling you, Elton, you're you're going with myth number seven. Oh, rubbish. And that's just ignorance on your part. Because cryonics does not conflict with religion. Cryonics patients are theologically equivalent to unconscious patients in a hospital with an uncertain prognosis. Moving essays affirming the morality and the worth of cryonics have been written from both Catholic and Protestant perspectives. Members of diverse Christian denominations including the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, have joined Alcor in addition to people of other faiths. For further information, please read Christianity and Cryonics <laughs> in the religious section of our Alcor library. Blimey. And then, I, I don't want to know, but I'll bet there's millions of dollars being donated Yes. that could be going other places. Yes, from probably high-ranking celebrities as well, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell's going to give these people money. And they're tax-free. So they're working... They're unregulated. They're paying no taxes. Mm. Did you say the director was Jennifer something? Uh, I can't remember. Exclusive Alcor staff, I think it was. Executive director, yes. It, she's also the one who answers your emails. Ah. <laughs> Direct all media inquiries and requests for a press kit to Jennifer at Alcor. Do you think she's a made-up person? And it's a, a group of people... Uh using her email and they, they've just made her up and okay all, all this goes into this inbox and we have 20 people answering all these emails and you know that they've just be. put a face on a email that might be stranger things have happened maybe she's frozen maybe <laughs> maybe she's um zero zero seven four <laughs> she's a, yeah I'd like to speak to Jen. I'm sorry Jennifer's unavailable <laughs> For the- I've made some I'm sorry, she will not be available to see you, sir. For the next 200 years. <laughs> That's like an X-Files episode. You're going to sneak your way in and... Oh, my God! And all her face is crooked where she was trying to... Yeah. No, don't put me in here! No! There's a reason there's a vacancy for the CEO position. <laughs> we have a lot of turnover here. Because we can't get test subjects. Yeah. The ones that don't believe or find out the myths. <laughs> That's right. They suddenly get frozen. <laughs> Shush! They'll hear you. That's what Tommy in accounting said yesterday. He's gone on vacation forever. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I think we've beaten this horse for now, yeah. but I also think we're going to end up coming back to this. That's sweet. I think that'll have to be a theme show at some point. We'll have to uh, talk about some some famous scams or, 
or even lesser known scams. Yeah. In a um, lighter news, someone who shouldn't be frozen, uh, there was a guy in Somerset, a 25-year-old guy, who was actually caught by police uh, growing cannabis on YouTube. He actually uh, he posted uh, videos over months and months and months on how he's, he, he grew one cannabis plant, filmed it, put it on YouTube, used his own name as his um, handle, and police raided him and found his plant, nicked all his equipment, and nicked his plant, and it's all been destroyed. He got away with a caution, but maybe he shouldn't be frozen. <laughs> I would think so. It's like a, you have to pass a test. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me, though. People put so many things up on YouTube and all. Yeah, I did try to find these videos, but if you type in um, growing cannabis on YouTube, you end up with 2,230 videos. And some little red light goes on somewhere and yes. in the British police station that says... He's looking at freezing. Now he's looking at cannabis. What's he doing? Well, I mean, I can understand sometimes stuff ends up on the internet because you've got a stupid friend or a careless friend. You know, so like you're at a party and you're you don't even know the picture was taken. Yeah. Or you don't you don't know the guy has it or and he puts it up on Facebook or something, I can understand that. But to sit there and be like, Yeah, it's me. Look, look what I'm doing. Hey. <laughs> Make sure you get my name right. <laughs> that's that's just asking for trouble. Has to get into the view of the camera as well, just to prove that it's him. Look guys, yeah. it's me. Yo, hey Chuck. Oh man. <laughs> You would like to be frozen? No. no. Yeah, we'll take your money. Just just wait over there. Yeah. It'll get cold. Wait till December. You're the dumbass that put the video on YouTube about growing yeah. cannabis. I remember seeing your face in the video. Yeah. That was me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you pay extra, we'll put that on the outside of your little metal casing. We'll let it play <laughs> in a continuous loop. Man. Well, that's that's definitely uh, two strange people. I like Simon Cowell. I think for us, we don't get his uh, influence into the music industry so much. Yeah. Just him being a jerk on American Idol is pretty much it. And I think he's one of the only people who actually has something meaningful to say. He chooses a mean way to do it, but so much of the American grading system and everything is about not hurting feelings and, you know, well, you're not the prettiest person, but it's okay to look different. Right. You know, that kind of reaction where he'll be like, you're ugly. You're never going to be a movie star. That's, sometimes people need to hear that. Yeah, it is like that. It's, it is very straight down the line over here, but the programs we get, we have... Um, it's not Pop Idol anymore. X Factor now. And basically, they, they run for a quarter of the year. They start in September. And so, once you know that's on TV, then you know, okay, right, they're building up to the Christmas number one again. And it's just ruined... I used to love the uh, the Christmas songs that they used to bring out just... Not not the X Factor ones, just you know everyday ones, and that mm-hmm. all seems to have disappeared now. It's all gone since all this pop idol X Factor malarkey's all turned up, and it's killed it really. There used to be like a, a nice festive vibe around looking forward to getting to Christmas number one, but now it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to make tons and tons of money out of it, and you don't hear, hear about the person who won for the next two years. Yeah, that's true, and they don't really care because. They're not worried about you. They're worried about the college students. and well, They're more worried about the, the bank account, and they don't care about mm-hmm. the person that just won the X Factor because once that's printed, they know that that's a number one. So they're more worried about next year's one as soon as they've won. Yeah. 
I'll have him one day. I will. I'll I'll sneak into um the freezer place and just That's turn right. his thermostat down ever so slightly. Just put a set of headphones or a speaker right next to it. You have to listen to all the crap produced. <laughs> it's too frozen to move or speak, but your ears and brain work fine. <laughs> all right, well, we've actually spent a lot of time talking about uh, the Alcor conspiracy. And I, I think, personally, I'm going to have to find some time to write about this in my blog. I hope we revisit it again. I'm going to put some links up on the show notes. I really hope you guys go and poke around that site, because it, it is just... It's bizarre. It's right out of the movies, and it, yet it's real. But we did have something a little more fun <laughs> that we wanted to point out to you on the internet. And you know, you guys are getting pretty good at digging around and stumbling on some of our uh, secret stash here of links. Uh, but we did have this one, and I don't think most of you know about it yet. You want to guess where I got it from? The same pink-haired Twitter person <laughs> I follow. Uh, but I think this is the last of the things that that I have in the queue from her. This mystery pink-haired person sent a link of art by Chris Jordan. And so the website is www.chrischrisjordan.com, all one word. And at face value, it doesn't look like anything particularly special. Um, when you go to the front page, there's five photographs and each of them represents a gallery of art. But what they are, are visual representations of numbers relevant to real life. So, for example, if I click on the first picture, which is a bunch of tuna, it brings you to a gallery. And the first picture in the gallery is called Shark Teeth. And it is a 5 foot by 8 foot piece of art, which depicts... 270,000 fossilized shark teeth, equal to the estimated number of sharks of all species that are killed around the world every day for their fins. And so you look at this and it just looks like a cool picture. It actually reminds me of those old 3D pictures that you would look at and you'd stare and it would kind of come into focus. Yeah, you'd try and see the image behind it. Yeah, look through the picture. Look through it. Look behind it. Can't you see the deer licking the tree? (laughs) No, I can't. Well, that's what it looks like. But then they zoom in, and they zoom in, and they zoom in, and it actually is more like one of those mosaic pictures. Well, I guess it is a mosaic, technically. But it's not where they take those little photographs, and then they kind of just shade the color. Um, these are actual shark teeth. And it's it's amazing. So I, we don't have to go through all of them, but... One I'm looking at the moment, sorry. One I'm looking at the moment, uh, the light bulbs. I, I can't remember what... Uh, it's... Yeah, if you go into the running the numbers uh, gallery and you, you scroll down a little bit, you'll find um, a, a star field of light bulbs. Basically, okay. it, it does look like a, a galaxy or a cluster galaxy, and you've got all these numbers. And basically, it depicts uh, three hundred twenty thousand light bulbs, equal to the number of kilowatt hours of electricity wasted in the United States every minute. And you zoom in, and you zoom in, and you zoom in, and all these light bulbs. And it's fantastic. Wow. Now that picture, also, it's 72 by 9, so 6 feet by 8 feet. And they actually show you what it looks like in actual size. Yeah. Wow. That's cream. And it's really clever stuff. So uh, we can't really do it too much justice just describing the pictures, but... If you go to look at just one or two things 
that we refer. This is definitely one you have to go look at. And we'll let it slide if you don't, you know, give a little, hey, I heard it from the apotheosis of a Bombast guys. When you pass <laughs> it on to your friends, I'll let it go. But uh, just like I mentioned Rose, or whatever, <laughs> the person I don't know, whatever her name is, you always feel free to give us credit. But there really are just some crazy, crazy things. And I think stuff like that's so cool, too. When you look at it, and it looks like one thing until you zoom in, and you're like, wait a minute, those are folded clothes, those are cigarettes, those are whatever it is. Well, there's pictures in pictures on this. Um, I'm looking at one more. Uh, it's called Barbie Dolls, and it mm-hmm. depicts uh, 32,000 Barbie Dolls. And then you move down, and you've got another picture, which is a picture in its own right. Really, and then you zoom in again, and you can see all the Barbie dolls, and it's a picture in a picture in a picture, really. And yeah, rather than a, a dab of a paintbrush, it's a pinwheel of Barbie dolls. Yeah, that's one of the real neat things about the internet. There's so many crap things that go on on the internet, and so much junk, and things that are a waste of time. But this, the chance that you can go and see this virtual gallery, basically, and see this artwork, I think that's that's so great. Yeah, that's cool. Again, that website is www.chrisjordan.com. Um, we definitely put all the links we refer to in our show notes. We hope you guys go and take a look at them. It should be really easy for you to just click and get to see it all. And the show notes are at the main site for the podcast, which is http bombastpodcast.podbean.com. There's no www in there. So if you're subscribing on iTunes, go and give it a look. You'll also see on the side there a couple other podcasts that are done by... Well, one's done by Elton. um, And then a couple other podcasts that are done by people we generally know through the online community. Some great stuff to listen to. There are links there for my kind of random thoughts blog and Elton's as well. And, you know, the occasional other little random tidbit. (laughs) I think that's pretty much what's there now. Yeah. So we will try to get some of the topics that we didn't get to today up in another podcast somewhat sooner than usual. You know, we aim for about one a week, but this could be a case where, thanks to Elcor and their cryonics, we have enough stuff to give you another show uh, sometime sooner. We also are thinking of maybe doing uh, another theme show soon. I think I've said that in, all the time, <laughs> but... Some of the things we're thinking of are maybe Lost Season 5 recap sometime. Spoiler-free, of course, but just our thoughts on the show, or maybe discussion of... Maybe a, a, a discussion of Lost itself, and people that don't actually uh, watch the program. Maybe uh, an overview of what's actually going on, and try and get people actually watching it that aren't actually watching it at the moment. They're, they're a little bit too scared of actually diving in and not understanding what's going on. I jumped on... I think it was right before season two or season three. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that another time. But that, I will say from that that if you did not see the the show from the beginning, it's almost an advantage because when you're hooked on the show, you watch and you, oh my god, I gotta wait another week for the next episode. Or in between seasons, it's you know six or seven months. If you can get into the show now and be able to have the DVD in front of you and watch it rapid fire, that's actually. It's a great way to watch it. Yeah, definitely. Because it's brutal to <laughs> to be have these questions and not have answers. You you tend to sit down and 
you know, just another one, just watch another one, just watch mm-hmm. another one, and then, you know, lo and behold, four or five have passed you by. Well, that's something on the on the plate for the future, and I'm sure we'll have another couple of, of ideas we'll throw out there. Yeah. If you guys have any suggestions, definitely let us know. Um, and I guess that's it for today. Yeah. And, oh, and guests, maybe, for this lost show that we might do in oh, a couple yes. of weeks' time. That would be yes. good to have a couple of other guests on, a couple of other voices. Yeah, I'll volunteer to do the editing, so you just have to come and share your wisdom. So if you are a fan of Lost and you've been listening to our podcast, let us know and we'll, we'll try to coordinate something. All right, well, I guess that wraps up Episode 7 of Apotheosis of a Bombast. Um, once again, the music you heard coming in and going out was from Peter John Ross at SunnyBoo.com. We have a moral for today. Elton, can you think of anything? <laughs> don't freeze <laughs> Simon Cow. Yeah, don't freeze Simon Cow. I think that's the winner right there. Yeah. I wonder if we can do a petition at that petition.com site. What? Don't freeze Simon Cow. <laughs> don't freeze Simon Cow. Sign this petition. Well, that's it for this week's show. Follow us on Twitter. SHC1970 is me. Yeah, and I'm Elton McManus, all one word. Go to the show notes and go to our uh, Podbean site so you can visit our blogs and listen to our friends. And we'll see you guys in a couple of days. Smell you later, guys. Thanks.